David said, be at rest once again, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Just speak that over yourself. Just say, be at rest, O my soul, once again, for the Lord has been good to you. Be at rest once again, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Travis, the Lord's been good to you. Speak to yourself in the third person, all right? Say, the Lord's been good, good to you. Travis, the Lord has been good to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for being good to us. Be at rest once again on my soul. just rest in his presence just let his I just feel Holy Spirit's just sometimes we just need to be still don't try don't try to do anything say anything just be still let Holy Spirit rest on you Kids can be dismissed to uh, children's ministry. I don't think we have any announcements. Do we have any announcements this morning other than uh, tithe the offering, Sam? This is your first time to the awakening. Welcome. My name's Travis Gay. I pastor the awakening along with my wife, Jessica. Jessica's not here. Uh, my voice is a little deeper today because sinus congestion, but actually feel pretty good. It's just still a little stuffed up. Jessica is not feeling quite as good as I am. She kind of has the same thing, but so she's not here this morning. Uh, Josiah and Zuri stayed home with her. Lydia came with me. But um, if this is your first time, I want to, there's a should be a card in your seat, and there's a way to get connected. And we we use texting because even emails, people. I had like a, anybody get a thousand promotional emails over the Christmas holidays? I, I, I spent some time unsubscribing, 
Uh, anyway, so people don't check emails as often as they do text. So we, uh, we like to communicate by text. If you text the word family to this number, can we get that slide up there? If you text the, the word family to this number, uh, then it will give you some information on how to get involved, get plugged in. If you just want some more information about the church, you text welcome to that number. I guess I've got the clicker. Where's the clicker up here? My plexiglass podium. We've, I forgot to get it up here. Um, but that's the way you can get connected, get a little bit more information about the church. If you want to give to the awakening, this is the number you text to as well. You text give, and that will give you prompts to, uh, to give to the awakening through an app or online, however you choose to do it. So that's all the announcements this morning. We do have uh, some prophetic words this morning we want to give before I get into the message. I got a word for you. Tell me your name again. I know I met you. Emily, all right. Uh, do you have a lot of dreams? Do you, are you a dreamer? Do, you sometimes dream, okay. Well, I feel like there is a prophetic gift awakening in you that God's stirring up. I just saw him, uh, you dreaming a lot, and I saw you prophesying, and, and just he's, he's wanting to stir that up. He wants you to know that he speaks to you, and he wants to speak through you, that he's chosen you to be his mouthpiece. He likes to co-labor with people, and he really wants to co-labor with you. And uh, it's just not as fun for him to do it by himself. So he, he wants you to get involved in that. And he, he wants you to know that you do hear his voice. And he wants to eliminate any doubts about that, that you hear him and the trust, the little nudges, trust the still small voice, that you do have a prophetic gift and just to, to, to step out on it, to trust him with it. So, uh, Brittany, do you have a word? And Megan, you, all right, y'all come on up. Um, I have, oh, he's in kids church. I had a word for your son, um, in the blue scarf and he, your oldest, or th those are your kids, right? Okay. The oldest boy, um, what's his name? Davis. Um, so I saw Davis and I felt the Lord just say that he had a um, warrior calling on his life. And I saw him with a shield in his right hand and a sword in his left. And all over the shield was written the word of God in scripture, um, and so, yeah, I just believe that Davis has a, like a warrior calling on his life and that the word of God is going to go before him. And as he gets older, he's going to like add more scripture and the word of the Lord is going to continue to just grow on his life and that he just walks in a lot of favor with God. And he's continue going to continue to grow in that and also grow in favor with men in that. And so he'll be like a forerunner and a pioneer. So we just bless your son, Davis, and we're glad to have him. And so... Can't wait to have them in kids' church one day. But um, my second word was, I actually had a corporate word for um, the church for 2018 when we were um, praying this morning. And the verse that I heard from the Lord was Matthew um, 5, 8, when it says, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so 
when I heard the Lord say that over the church in 2018, what that's going to look like is he's been doing and he's going to continue to do a work in our heart where he's purifying our heart because we're going to be able to see him in ways this year that we've never been able to see him before because he's doing this, like I heard him say, he's like doing a blood transfusion with Jesus's blood. So he's going in and he's taking out all of the toxins in our heart and all of the bad things and all of this sin and all of those. And he's coming, he's cleansing our heart. And as he's doing that, we're gonna be able, like our eyes will be open to the spiritual realm like they've never been open before. And I saw that there was like a vessel that led from our heart to our eyes. And as the Lord was like giving us that transfusion and he was like mending broken blood vessels and all of that stuff, and taking away and washing us clean, our eyes became like clearer. And we were able to see him. We were able to see people differently. We didn't have the thoughts that we had about people. Like everything that we saw was with a pure heart. And I love, and I was reminded when David cried out to the Lord and he said, create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so I think that this year is gonna look a lot like that. Like we're gonna be praying, create in us a pure heart, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. So we're gonna see that steadfastness in 2018. Um, and what I love, a couple verses down, when David says that, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So in this process, as we're becoming pure as a church and as a body because of the Lord and just what he's doing in our hearts, we're gonna be able to teach people God's ways and sinners will turn back to the Lord because of that. So it's this big process. It doesn't just start with this like cleaning of our heart, but it's so much more than that, that God wants to do. Um, so I'm excited to see the Lord do that in 2018. So. That's a good word. You just, Holy Spirit just gave you my message. So we might just close it out after this. I had a word for Lacey. Um, so I saw an image of you standing under this like really clear umbrella that was like covered in lights. And I felt like the Lord was saying that, um, also there were like feathers on top of the umbrella. Um, but I felt like he was saying that he like wants to reveal just a new level of him being your protector and your defender. And I was reminded of the verse in Psalms that talks about us, him like covering us with his wings and with his feathers. So I just bless you with that. And is it Joshua? Is that your name? Okay. Um, so I saw you like standing under the night sky with a laser pointer. And it was like one of those that you can like, it's like the really strong ones that you can point at stars with. Um, and I felt like the Lord was saying like, he's giving you a new clarity and direction and purpose with the way that your steps are being numbered. Um, so I feel like he just like wants to give you a new confidence and a new courage to take a risk or to step out in faith and to believe him for the things that he's like been telling you. Um, and then also had a word for Katie. <laughs> so I saw you and the Lord um, like on these rocks and he was handing you these rings um, and they were engraved on the inside. Um, and when I asked him what the rings were, he said, it's the promises of old that I want to remind her of. Um, and so I feel like there have been promises that have been like spoken over you and spoken over your family um, that he just wants to like really remind you of and like speak those into you um, and for you just to carry those out into the future and to go confidently into those promises. Come on, Megan. 
Good word. Good word, Lord. Thank you. That is awesome. That is awesome. I want to, you know, been battling sickness. I feel like just encouraging you, if you've been battling some kind of longstanding, whether it's an illness, disease, injury, or whatever, to keep contending, believing God for it. Uh, Because we, uh, Hannah Lewis shared the testimony of her mom had a stroke 12 years ago. And she had to, she had to learn how to talk and read, right? Just to do everything, occupational therapy, all of that. She had to learn how to do everything, but you can't tell that she even had a stroke today. And, um, and so the Lord, I mean, it was, it was a supernatural thing, even though it was over a process of time, it was the Lord's healing and just having this sickness and Jessica was really bad sick Friday. I just, I just, my, the thought that came to my mind is like sickness is not of God. Um, if, he, if it was the will of God, I wouldn't be trying to get medicine to get rid of it. I wouldn't go to the doctor to try to get rid of it. And, you know, why do we get sick? It's not, it's just, I, I believe most of it's just because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin, uh, sin-filled world and there's, it's a fallen world. There's not, we don't necessarily know why all the time, but I just know that God wants to heal. It says on earth as it is in heaven, his will be done. When we go to heaven, we're not going to be afflicted with anything. It's going to be complete freedom from the shackles of this world, sin, sickness, death. And uh, so God wants that to be manifest on the earth right now. So just keep praying for healing. Keep asking people to pray for you. Keep, uh, you know, I've had plantar fasciitis for three years, and I just, I'll, there'll be times as I, I just go ahead and thank the Lord for healing my heel because uh, it's, it's inhibited me from playing basketball, which is one of those things and I just, that I love to do. And I just tell the devil, I was like, you're not going to keep me from doing this forever. And you just speak out those things and thank the Lord for he, that he's already accomplished it on the cross. Uh, but we're, keep contending, keep praying for those things. And there's, there's a day of breakthrough, the day of salvation is going to come and it could be today, it will be today. He says today is the day of salvation. So let's believe him for that. This morning, I want to talk about the clear eye, which is uh, something God's just been speaking to me about, because really the the world we live in, there's a battle for over worldviews, like how you view, how you view the world, how you see the world, and so we gotta. If we want to live in communion and in step with Jesus, we've got to be able to see the world see ourselves, see other people the way he sees it. And so you got to have a clear eye to do that. The Bible talks about having, if your eye is good, it's full of light, or if your eye is bad. And so it makes this distinction between a good eye or a clear eye and a bad eye. And so, uh, but before we get into that, this is, this is New Year's Eve. I'm probably going to party till about 9 p.m. tonight. We're gonna do the count. We're gonna do the counting the ball countdown with our kids on YouTube at like 8:30 because it doesn't have the the year or the time on it. It's just like, hey, happy New Year, 10 seconds, you know, and we're going to bed, you know. And uh, I remember the first year Jessica and I were married. <clears throat> it's like the a, a, 
switch was flipped when we got married. I, I instantly became 10 years older. I used to stay up till midnight before I was married and then uh, got married. I was getting tired at 9.30, 10. So New Year's Eve 2002, I remember we set an alarm for, for midnight, <laughs> woke up, said Happy New Year's, gave each other a little kiss and went back to bed. You know, so it's, that was, that's pretty much how New Year's have been since then. <laughs> uh, but these are my goals. And my goals for us as a church, because if, if, if these things are in order, everything is going to come, flow out of that, that, that outreach, ministering, serving others. But I want to know Jesus more. And I want to live more fully surrendered. I know there's parts of me that, re, that resist God. I want that, those parts to be fully surrendered. And so that means I, I want more humility. I want more of the fear of the Lord. And I want to know how much more Jesus loves me because Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. So as we gain a greater, greater revelation of how much he loves us, we'll actually obey him more. And so I, I need that. I need that. I want to live. I used to, this is a, I think this, you know, it's, it's a good sign if you, if you think that you need to surrender more. I used to think, man, I'm fully surrendered. Dude, I'm just a laid down lover. I was just like patting myself on the back in the spirit. But now the Lord in his kindness is just showing. He's like, no, Travis, there's, there's still some areas you need to give to me. And uh, I was like, you are correct, sir. And so, two, I want to live with simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. I want my relationship with Jesus to get much simpler. And part of that is you have to be intentional with, uh, no matter where you are, even if you don't believe in God, try being just honest with God. Just tell God, I don't believe in you. See what happens. Because Watchman Nee, he said uh, his, one of the methods of evangelism that you, he uses, he would talk to somebody that didn't believe in God. And he said, okay, we're just... Uh, or he, or somebody would say, I, li- I know I'm, I'm sinning, I like this life, but I don't really want to change. He said, okay, well, just tell God that. He's like, well, I can't tell God that. He said, why not? He said he already knows anyways. Why don't you just, if he, and so if they could get to the place where they would even tell God, so, he's, so sometimes people would, they would say, God, I like sinning. I don't really want to leave this life. And, they, and the Holy Spirit would actually convict them in the middle of that prayer. I've, I've minutes, tried to witness to, uh, or not tried to, I have witnessed to atheists in various settings. And the one thing I can't, I haven't been able to get them to do is actually try to talk to God. I was like, I said, if you don't believe, I said, just, you know, I said, at least let me pray for you because it's what's it going to hurt if, it's, if there's not a God. And, but they still don't want, they don't, they don't want to pray. They don't want me to pray. And they get real scared. It's because the world might, it might be shattered because God just might be real. 
And ultimately what it is is you don't want to surrender. You want to do life your way. I mean, that's all, that's all it is. I want the joy of the Lord to be tattooed on my heart. I want everything to be, to be done out of the strength of the Lord, which is his joy. And you really, the joy, it's not your joy. It's the joy of the Lord. So you choose, the, and you have Jesus Christ inside of you. So it's a day where you, where you have to choose joy. You choose by faith to access joy. I woke up one morning a few months ago, and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, if, if you press into joy, joy will press into you. And that's where I got like this, I felt like God was putting like a, uh, a stamp or an impression of joy on my heart. And so I, I just told the Lord, I was like, all right, well, I do believe laughing is, is intercession. Psalm 2 says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. I want to agree with God. So I'm, I'm going to laugh. It's part of intercession. So I just start out of purposely laughing in the car. <laughs> I just all kinds of different laughs. <laughs> Sometimes I just do that for like 10 to 20 minutes in the car. And I'm just laughing. And I may not feel, feel like laughing, but I'm just like, I'm pressing in the joy. And then when the Holy Spirit, when I would feel the presence of the Lord, I would, I would, it would, my first reaction is I'd start laughing. So even like there's, there'd be times of prayer we, we had in here and I, I feel the presence of the Lord, I just start laughing. And so as you press into joy, joy will press into you. But you have to, you have to purpose to do it. It is a choice. And uh, God, you got to give God something to work with is kind of another way to put it. Fourth, I want to I see more like Jesus sees. I want my eye to be clear, which is leading into the clear eye. This comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, the message puts it this way because that last sentence can be like, what are you talking about? And so the message says your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide and want in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. So when I talk about our eye, so having a clear eye means that that word clear really means to have a single eye or a sincere eye. In Song of Songs, it says, give, give me dove's eyes. And the reason it says give me dove's eyes is because doves can only focus on one thing. They can't, they're not multitaskers, all right? They, not that multitasking is bad, but they, they can't focus on what, I've, I'm glad I'm, I married a multitasker because I am the opposite of multitasking. I'll be going to the shed to get something. My kids say, Daddy, you tie my shoe. I tie the shoe and I'm just like, okay, uh, what's next? I totally forgot what I was going to the shed for. How many men can relate to that? I think this... That's a Y chromosome problem. And so, but uh, if your eye is clear, if it's single, if it's sincere, it's a good eye. 
Now, I used to clean windows uh, for, I've done so many jobs. Uh, but I was, it was, I was working part-time at Convergence and my buddy had a window cleaning business and we would uh, we clean windows. And so we would clean windows and that thing looked good, man. And then you held it up in the light and you're like, did I even do anything to that? And so it's, it's, it's like the proverb says, a man, uh, he may do what's right in his own eyes, but in the end it leads to death. And so there's, it may, things may seem like really clear in our own eyes, but it's got to be judged against the, the way the Lord sees things. And uh, we can have smudges in our windows. Everybody, to a degree, has smudges in their windows, the way, you, the way you filter life, the way you see life. And that's why we are purifying ourselves, as First John 3 says. It says, he, we who have this hope purify ourselves as he himself is pure. So we're in that process of sanctification, wiping the smudges off the windows. And so much of that is related to the way we see. If we see clear, it's, we're, it's going to be good. We're going to be able to, to see Jesus more clearly and respond appropriately. If our eye is bad, that word bad means diseased, blind, full of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Isn't that interesting? The way you see life is just, man, this, that's annoying. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, this is a hardship. Man, that sucks. That's, if that's the way you view and filter life, it's not a clean eye. You know, if everything's a drag, if everything's a trial, if everything's inconvenient, then it's, it's just not going to be a fun life. So we have to see things differently. We got to see trials Peter had a different way of seeing things. He said, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. What? What eye are you looking through? Peter's looking through a clear eye. He's looking with an eye towards eternity, with an eternal perspective. But if your filter's contaminated, so is everything that comes through that filter. So things that contaminate our eyes, bitterness, uh, judgment, Sure, they're all connected. <laughs> Bitterness, judgment, comparison. Those are uh, offenses. All those things are related and tied in. Those, contain, those contaminate our eyes and the way we see God and the way we see others. But seeing, how you see God is the most important thing in your life. For a long time, I saw God as an uh, angry cop in the sky who's just wanting me to do uh, what was right. There was no relational connection at all. Jack Frost says, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Rules are actually good. You need boundaries. But without relationship, it will breed rebellion. You'll, re you'll reject those rules because there's, there's no love involved. There's no relationship involved. You're created for communion, relationship, fellowship with the Lord fellowship with others. And so when you're disconnected from that, you can't obey the rules. You can't, you can't do what's right if you're disconnected from that relationship. Just a, a couple of other scriptures on how we see, this is an interesting one. This is the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. 
and I, I, I cut out most of it, but it said, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scattered no seed. So here's the servant. He says, I knew you as a hard man. So how did the master manifest as a hard man? And so he responded out of the way he saw his master. He said, because you're a hard man, I was afraid. I hid. Sound like something familiar in Genesis? And here what you, you have is yours. He was afraid. He hid. He did nothing with his talent. It was because he saw his master as a hard man. So if you see God as a hard man, this is the way you're going to respond. You're going to be afraid. You're going to hide. You're not going to want to share. You're not going to want to be honest with him, even though he already knows everything. God, he just, I'm telling you, honesty is the key to relationship with the Lord. Be, share your heart with him. That's opening up your heart. You're being vulnerable with God. He's the most trusted person with a heart. He will actually transform our hearts and <laughs> heal it. Psalm 18 says, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. With the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. So it's like the way you perceive is the way God will actually manifest in your life. It's, it's kind of crazy. So you want a clear eye. And I'm not saying God's crooked. I'm saying he's the one that tortures that's gonna, but it's, that's the way you will see God. Does that make sense? doesn't mean God's that way. It means it, you will see God that way. You will interpret even a kindness maybe that he does for you. You might complain about it. So you're going you're gonna, to, no matter what God does on his end, you're going to see it in this, through this filter. So that's why we need a clear eye. I remember when that hurricane hit uh, Houston, there was a man, uh, he was walking with his boy away from the floodwaters, and the reporter said, hey, how are you doing? Are you, uh, are you out of your home, or, or what's, you know, what's going on? And he said, yeah, man, our apartment's completely flooded. He said, man, we're blessed, though. We're blessed. We're blessed. And the reporter's like, well, uh, why are you saying that? He's like, look, he's like, I got my kid, we're safe. We, you know, we got some clothes on our back, man. We're blessed, man, we're blessed. I was like, that's the way you interpret life. They lost everything in their apartment. He said, what, he, he said I got what matters most, man. I got my boy right here. So we're, we're blessed. It was, it was powerful. It, it stunned the reporter. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 12 through 13 says, The hearing eye and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. So how do we even are able to see the way God sees or hear the way God hears? It, it comes from the Lord. we got to ask for it. 
Jesus said all the time, to him who has ears, let him hear. And he would tell things in parables. And then he said, you know, this is an obstinate generation. You know, they have ears, but they don't, have, they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. And so he's talking about like a different set of eyes and ears that we need. Everybody's, you know, we've, we've got eyes, we've got ears, but we need spirit eyes. We need spirit ears that hear what the Holy Spirit's doing and see what he's doing. And if we don't, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, whatever the world's saying, we're just going to kind of run with that. We're going to come into agreement with the world. We want to come into agreement with what Jesus is saying over a situation. So the hearing eye and the seeing eye, the Lord's made them both. And so when we read that, our response needs to be, God, open my eyes more, open my ears more. But it says, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty, open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. So poverty, that word means being occupied or dispossessed. So when we're asleep, when we're slumbering, it's easy for the enemy to come kick us out of our inheritance or uh, take possession of you in the sense of, I'm not talking about being possessed by them, but I'm talking about he, he takes you out. You're not effective for the kingdom. You're thinking the way the world thinks. He's got you right where he wants you. But when you think that with the mind of Christ, when you're thinking from a biblical perspective, then you're awake. Luke 21, verse 19 says, by patience, possess your souls. So there's this matter of we got to possess our souls. We have to have self-control. We have to have the mind of Christ. These are the ways we possess our souls. And then also, it says, open your eyes, you have plenty of bread. So there's a promise right there. If your eyes are open, you have plenty of bread. You would think, like, if you... Uh, Go harvest the wheat, go grind the flour, go put in a lot of work, and that's part of it. But it's, what's even more important, it says if you open your eyes, you'll have plenty of bread. So prosperity is not a matter of necessarily material things. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how we see our circumstances. That's what prosperity is. You go to Christian brothers and sisters and some third world countries, you get... Uh, you know, if we've had Supraza Satole from Mozambique here, one of the most uh, joyful men I've ever met in my life. And he was that way long before he had a house. He used to just go from town to town and, in, and preach the gospel. And when he was in between towns, he would just sleep in fields. And he just, just said he was so full of joy. I, now, I would say he was prospering in life. You know what I'm saying? And now as he, so as he acquired some money and some wealth and things like that, those things didn't have a hook in them. So it's, I know if those things were taken away from Supraza, it, would, it wouldn't matter to him. That's just, just knowing that guy. And he'd just be like, yeah, this, is, this was never mine to begin with. I said, yes, whatever, Lord. <laughs> so it's the joy of the Lord. So prosperity is a matter of how we see our circumstances. You can be full of uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit uh, without a home, you know. So Revelation chapter 3, and to the angel of the church of 
in Laodicea, right, the, the words of the amen. When I read that, I'd forgotten the Lord was called the amen, so I started calling him the amen. All these things, you, you, know, you can address the Lord that way. Faithful one, how are you this morning? True witness, I love you. You know, just you could call him by his names. He'll respond to them all. The beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you either would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. This is one of the verses that haunted me in college. Tom Tanner was the director of Wesley at the time. I had my neighbors drag me to Wesley because that was the only way I was going to Wesley. They were, they were sweet, cute girls. So I was like, oh. They're like, Travis, come to Wesley with us. Fine, all right, we'll go. Tom Tanner preaches this, and I'm sitting where you're sitting, and I'm thinking, I am lukewarm. I'm lukewarm. How can I get out of here? What's the fastest way out of here? For two, for two more years, I didn't surrender to the Lord. I just, every now and then, I just would think, I'm lukewarm. Uh, Jesus is going to spit me out of his mouth. I don't know exactly what that means. But it can't be good. It's not a positive. I'm lukewarm. I'm lukewarm. And I knew that it was like, there's no, this is the thing. It says be either cold or hot. It didn't say just be hot. So, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I want to explain to you about that. So in Laodicea, they built an aqueduct to bring cold water down from the mountains. When it left the mountains, it was ice cold, but by the time it made that trip all the way down the mountains to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Lukewarm water is just not as good. Down in the valley where the Lycus River joins the Meander River, or is that really that Meander? Yeah, there are, there are hot springs. However, when they would take this hot water up to Laodicea, by the time I got there, it was no longer hot. It become lukewarm water. So all they, all they tasted was lukewarm water. And, G, and Jesus is saying, whether you be hot or cold. There's this, there's this thing, I was actually talking with Greg about this before church, is that there's no neutrality in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. So if you're neutral, you actually be used by the enemy. If you're lukewarm, you will be used by the enemy. I attest to that. I was lukewarm. I, I know I was not, I would actually talk about Jesus sometimes and people would say, they would, uh, how can you tell me what to do? Look at your life. They said that to me. I was like, uh, you're right. 
I was religious, man. But I wasn't, I wasn't zealot religious. I just would be like, no, I can't do it. I'm a Christian. Like, well, what are you doing that for? Having sex with my girlfriends. She, she, her, one of my girlfriends, her roommates were not believers. And we'd go to like a Bible study and then we'd come back and, you know, they knew what we were doing in the room. Like, yeah, Christians. So I know what that, I know what neutral looks like. And it doesn't work. You're either for him or you're against him. But if you're neutral, you will be used by the enemy. Switzerland declared themselves neutral in World War II. Guess who housed Nazi money? Swiss banks. There's no neutrality. So lukewarm. They say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing you're wretched, poor, blind, pitiful, and naked. So lukewarm boils down to not being able to see the full truth of your status without Christ and respond appropriately. It's a form of pride. Lukewarm is just a form of pride. It just means that y'all don't really need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We're all, it's all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags without Jesus. All the good stuff we do. I'm, being a good person, can't rely on that. You need to be righteous and you can't be that without the blood of Jesus. Righteousness is what gets you into the throne room, not goodness. You need to be made righteous. You need to be cleansed by the blood. So how do we buy stuff from the Lord? Because he's telling us to buy stuff from him. I was just like, what am I? I mean, I, I'm real, you know, simple-minded, so I just like, how do I buy stuff from you? He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. Isaiah 55, the Lord tells us to buy stuff from him again. He says, ho, everyone who thirst. Everybody say ho, that's just good right there. Say ho, on the count of three, say ho, one, two, three. Who was that back there? I heard a kid do that. No, what, Lillian, I know you did it. I heard a child do that. I want to just give them a high five or somebody. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. So how do you buy stuff when you have no money? You who have no money, come buy and eat. All right. All right, Lord. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So, how do we buy stuff from the Lord? So, 1 Peter, I'm going to get to that. 1 Peter 1.7 says, The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, our salvation from our past present and future has already been purchased by Jesus' blood. So we've been given, it's everything we need has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus is actually, it's, it's just like when I gave my kids some money to buy me a Christmas present. And they're like, here you go. Like, we, they went to their school uh, secret Santa store or whatever. We gave them like money. They came back and 
they gave us gifts like, check this out, Dad. Look what I got you. And I was like, woo! You know, and they got me a keychain key that said, uh, I love Dad. And I'm just like, woo! Man, thank you. Uh, they, Josiah got me like a kitchen towel, you know, that said something on it. I'm just like, woo! Man, I was like, this thing's gonna dry my hands so good. And you just, and they're just like, mm hmm. Mm hmm. And uh, that's what the Lord does with us. He gives us, he gives us money. He's like, Lord, look, did you see that? Did you see how I worshiped you? I just, I just praised your name, Lord. I was, and then I, I stepped out on faith on this thing, Lord. And he's just like, woo, woo, man. He's like, look, and we're like, yeah, Lord, I love you. He's like, man, that was good. You did good. When he actually gave us the grace to even do that. He gave us the money to purchase that thing. And so the blood of Jesus does that. But when we, when we buy something, an exchange takes place. There's an exchange. And so the way we access the life of Jesus is when our life is exchanged for his life, when we surrender his, our life for his life. And so it's a daily surrender and a daily laying down of our lives so that we can have the life of Jesus. And this is accomplished by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. We buy from Jesus by faith. So when Jesus says, come buy from me, gold refined by fire, white garments, salve to anoint your eyes, he's saying, come access it by faith. And so when we read Revelation 3, this is what we're doing. We're, so when you read Revelation 3, this is how you access that. All right, Lord, you tell me to buy gold refined by fire that I may be rich. Father, by faith, I'm buying that gold, which is my faith. He's actually, by faith, you actually get more faith. <laughs> and so white garments that you may be clothed. Lord, Lord, I access the righteousness of God by faith right now. It's been purchased to, for me by the blood of Jesus. The shame, Lord, I just declare that there's, by the blood of Jesus, I break shame off my life. There's no shame anymore. I'm not, I'm not uncovered. I'm covered by the blood in the name of Jesus. Lord, by faith, I declare my eyes see that there is salve on my eyes that I may see. You know, uh, Saul, who would become Paul, he was blinded and it said he had scales on his eyes, right? So he literally, and when those scales came off, he saw a whole new world. He didn't see a world, uh, he didn't see Christians as a threat to his, to his God. He saw Christians as having the revelation of God, right? His scale, the scales fell off and he had a totally different perspective. Mark 9, 22 through 24, it says, and this is just talking about how, what belief in our faith is, how important it is. Uh, a father comes to Jesus and he says, his son's demon-possessed, and he says, it's often cast him into fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, I love that. Jesus just went, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. 
Immediately the father child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of you feel like you're in the place of that father where you're just like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, I, I do, Lord, there's, there's promises I do believe, but then there's others I'm, I need help with. God's not scared of that. He wants to help us in our unbelief. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. First John 3, 2 says, beloved, we are now, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he, as he is. This is the thing. If, you, if, we, if Jesus appeared right now in front of us, completely unveiled in all his glory, we would all respond exactly the same way. We would fall like dead men, like John the apostle did, like Daniel did. When you see Jesus clearly, no restrictions, unveiled, there's no filter, you will respond appropriately. That's why we got to have a clear eye. Because if I, if I am seeing Jesus clearly, then my life is going to be transformed. My actions will follow that decree. I, I, I've seen Jesus, Right? John, he saw Jesus and he's like, he felt like a dead man. Jesus always, in his kindness, says, do not be afraid. That's the fear of God. You're like, oh, God, do not be afraid. <laughs> you're scared of God, but you're not scared of God. That's the fear of God. And so when we see him, we'll become like him. And Brittany was talking about this earlier. That's why I said she was preaching my sermon. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Your eyes and your heart are connected. Ephesians 1, where it talks about, it says, I pray that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, and that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So your heart and your eyes are connected. You see through your heart. Your heart's pure, eyes pure. Okay, so that's pretty much one and the same, but we need pure eyes. Now, Another thing I would say, it's not wise to actually take impure things through your eyes. Just like whatever you're watching, whatever you're looking at, if it's impure, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring some dirt in. There's not a list of, there's definitely some things that Scripture says aren't good for you. you know, any kind of sexual immorality, gossip, covetousness, all those types of things. And then there's things where you have to make choices on that. You got to follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's some people, uh, you have some people like Bob Johnson, who God calls to go into brothels to rescue prostitutes. And you have some people that couldn't do that. Like my, uh, I've gone to Burning Man, but Jessica, she, she gets, she feels, she goes in the, Walmart or Target or something like that, and she, she starts picking up all the stuff in the room, and she, she's like, oh, Jesus, help me, help me. And uh, I was like, yeah, babe, you probably don't need to go to Burning Man <laughs> because it just would be, you know, too heavy. So it's in that Burning Man, we're, there's naked people walking around. But you got to, your heart's got to be pure enough to, to handle that. And I, trust me, it's only by the blood of Jesus 
that purified my heart because I was a slave to pornography and all that kind of stuff. So, so if the Jesus we see isn't making us more like Jesus, we need a different Jesus. So if the Jesus you see is like allowing you to settle in to compromise, you probably need a different Jesus. Uh, if the Jesus you see is uh, it's not very loving, you probably need a different Jesus. You know, I don't have to keep going down the list of things, but you, we want to see Jesus for who he is. We want the whole counsel of God. That's why the other week I preached on, on my Christmas message was the Jesus coming back and how he was going to slay all of his enemies, literally, in the valley of Jehoshaphat or Armageddon. It was not, it was, a, it was Jesus returning in his reign. That's the whole, it's, but it's in the Bible, guys. It's what, this is the whole counsel of who Jesus is. You read Revelation. You read Daniel. It's... So we gotta, we got to have the whole Jesus. We can't have Santa Claus Jesus, and we can't have... Uh, I think there's a part of Jesus that is like Santa Claus. You know what I'm saying? Like, he gives us things just because he likes giving us things. But that's not all he is. And so we, we want the full counsel of what the Bible says about who Jesus is. I, had, I was telling this to... Uh, the volunteers earlier, my son, Josiah, we, we, he got this uh, Star Wars game for Christmas, and he couldn't get past this level. And uh, he was frustrated, and so he just kept playing the levels he had already defeated. And I was like, are you ever going to try this level again you couldn't get past? He said, you know, he, he was a little embarrassed. He was like, uh, no, nah, Dad. I said, Why? He says, it's too hard. I said, so you're just going to play all the other levels that you've already beaten? He's like, yeah. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, I put a, an executive order on him. And uh, I said, you're going to play that level again, man. You can beat that thing. And I, I said, I'll help you if you want me to. And I just left the room and just kind of left it at that. And he comes back. He says, Dad. And he literally stood like this. He went, he said, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that level again. I said, do it, man. I said, you're going to beat that thing. I said, you don't even need my help. So we go in there. He, he, he's playing on it. And I go in there and I start watching him. And I prayed, I was like, Lord, help him get past this level. <laughs> and sure enough, he got through it without even dying. You know, he didn't have to retry. He got through it on the first try. He was, yes, yes. And we high-fived each other. And I said, Josiah, you know what that is, man? Guess what? You don't give up, you win, baby. <laughs> and he just, he kind of was, he, you know, he was about to throw down on somebody. He was just walking around the room like this. And I was just like, yeah, come on. Strut like a rooster, baby. But that's a, that's a super small thing. 
And I was telling somebody, I said, if it matters to you, it matters to him. You know, now he's not going to, you know, maybe we'll try praying for the dogs to win tomorrow, but I can't guarantee you a win on that. You know what I'm saying? It's, so it's not like, I'm just saying he does care about the things that we care about, especially when it has to do with, and, and I've, I've just, you know, even with my son, with, even with, with the video games and stuff like that, my, I have a natural resistance and like, uh, this, this actually I shoot something, not on a video game, but the Lord's just showing me, it's like, this is, I can actually connect Travis in the midst of all these things. It doesn't mean we want to play video games eight hours a day or anything like that, but you know what I'm saying. So if the Jesus we see isn't making us more like Jesus, we need a different Jesus. So some takeaways. How clear our eye is determines how we see God and how we interpret events in our lives. We need eyes to see the way God sees things and this ability or grace comes from the Holy Spirit. This is what I was saying, the hearing eye or the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of them come from the Lord. We need childlike, simple faith and we need to ask God for it. So whatever you need, you, you ask God for it. And sometimes what I mean is like some, God, you, you take your faith to get more faith is that it takes faith to ask God for faith, right? So you just, and, and so you just, you just take your seed and you're like, God, ask for more. And he increases it. And, and faith is the currency of heaven. Our beliefs about Jesus should be transforming us. So you're, we don't try to transform. We, if, if we're believing rightly about who Jesus is, we're going to be believe, we're going to believe rightly about who we are. And we're going to be transformed. Your beliefs are actually what transform you. You don't try to just like change and, you know, muster ups, uh, self-will and self-power, all those. This is, I always catch myself because there's this thing where God, he co-labors with us. And so there's always this risk that I've run in sometimes with people where it's like, I don't need to do anything. God's going to fight the battle for me. That is true because you don't have any ability to defeat your enemy. Your enemy is much stronger than you apart from Jesus. There's a part where you actually have to, you do have to come into agreement. And then there's things of, of daily disciplines that you build into your life that it's like, it's like building a house. You know, it's not built in one day, but you got to go out there and lay a foundation and build a frame, put a, lay the wall, put the uh, drywall up, put a roof on. All those things are, are, are building the daily disciplines of, of uh, getting in the word and just talking with the Lord and not trying to make anything happen. It's just like sometimes your time with the Lord could be what, like what we did this morning where you're like, I just feel like being still and knowing that you're the Lord instead of feeling like you got to get through a prayer list or you've got to get, you even have to get revelation from God. The Lord rebuked me one time for, he said, just, just spend time with me. Don't try to get revelation. And I was like, oh yeah, I always do that. Don't I, Lord? I'm just always trying to get a fresh word. I mean, he's just like, well, you just, just be with me. And like, let's hang out. And in that, 
what's cool about the Lord is out of that place, he'll speak to you. But it's all about what first things are first. And so our beliefs about Jesus should be transforming us.